1: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit, it's strong and dependable. Exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Sunday, September 13th, a day that we will all remember forever as the day that Alec freaking Mills, no-hit-the-Milwaukee Brewers... What a day it was at Miller Park on Sunday, as another Cub, this time against the Brewers. uh, Unlike Carlos Zambrano's no hitter, throws a no hitter at Miller Park. The Brewers shut down for nine innings by Alec Mills, that completes a series win for the Chicago Cubs after a loss on Friday began the series. What a series it was! It looked one way for a game and eight innings and from that point on in the last 10 innings of the series it was a magical magical little run for the Chicago Cubs so we will break down those three games we are certainly going to talk a lot about Alec Mills we will also talk about the work that the Cubs did off of Josh Hader who had basically been unhittable up until the ninth inning on Saturday night And we'll talk about everything else in between uh, and and get you ready to enjoy your off day on Monday after what ended up being a really, really glorious weekend of Chicago Cubs baseball. But Brendan, I want to bring you in right away here. What a day for Alec Mills. Alec Mills, a walk-on in college certainly not he wasn't even supposed to be in the Cubs rotation to begin this season and he goes out there in the middle of having a really nice season as a part of this Cubs rotation stepping up doing the job and he throws a no hitter the second no hitter in Major League Baseball in 2020 joining White Sox member Lucas Giolito what a day Brandon. What an insane performance, Corey! And he's doing
0: it in Milwaukee against the Brewers, who are trying to fight for a playoff spot. That no hitter puts Milwaukee six games back, but that final out with Rizzo charging the mound like Rizzo's celebrations—I I love them when these guys throw no hitters. He like tackles them kind of and like like pounces on their like waist, pretty pretty funny. The the reaction from Javi. The moment he fielded that ground ball, I don't know if you saw this, He's letting out like a, yeah, like right when the ball hits his club. And so I just love these like premeditated uh, reactions from Javi on some of these plays. But man, the last 24 hours where you have Jason Hayward hitting that go ahead home run against Josh Hader, then you have Vargas falling up on a back-to-back shot, then the next day, Mill's throwing a no-hitter. And we went from one day kind of like wondering where we could be recording this podcast to now talking about a comeback win and a no hitter from Alec Mills, so what a weird Corey, what a weird season, a weird like week to week
1: reaction we have with this team. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride, but sometimes the highs are really, really fun. You guys, they are, they are. Yeah, but that that Javi letting out the the scream when that. he was fielding that last out kind of reminded me, not exactly, but of his reaction when he. Put on that tag in the World Baseball Classic it where he was at pointing yeah. at Yachty before the ball even got to his glove. It kind of reminded me of that. And just like there and I and I think uh Mills said this after the game just like there's there's no level of confidence like that of Javi of <laughs> Baez and he's he's never wrong about these things like he knows he has that play Uh and really like as that last at bat was unfolding in my head I was thinking because Mills didn't get a lot of whiffs it was not a strikeout driven no hitter at all right and my whole thought was Alec Do throw a pitch that finds its way to Javi. Like, let's just wrap this up. (laughs) Like, we've got some good fielders on this team, but just find Javi with this ball, and you're going to get yourself a no hitter. And dude, that that bat, that ball. Off the bat. I thought it was a base hit. Yeah, because it was up the middle. (laughs)
0: It scared the hell out of me. I thought Mills kind of kicked it at first, too. So I'm I'm shocked Javi was right there. I was
1: was watching that when I was looking at, you know, just sort of enjoying their reactions and stuff after the game. Like, that ball was really close to his foot, and it hit the mound. Like, the fact that it was a clean ground ball for Javi was was kind of like it was sketch when I rewatched it.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I off the bat I'm like, oh my god, I was watching the game with my brother. I'm like, oh base it. And I think like maybe last year when the Cubs were not shifting this much, mm-hmm. that might have actually been a base hit. But all around the defense today too, like they they came up. David Bode had a great backhand play in his shortstop area on the shift. Ian Happ in the second inning had yeah, that was nice a uh, catch behind his left shoulder. So this this is what you want to see from the Cubs. You have good base running too. Javi doing Javi things mm-hmm. like stealing home. I think they gave him that. So defense, base running, good starting pitching. This is this is what we want from this team.
1: That, that is exactly what we want from this team <laughs> Brendan uh, specifically not allowing any hits if they could just do yeah, that I all like the that. time every
0: single game yeah why not yeah. what's
1: so hard about yeah. it um, but I do think like maybe we need like you know how sometimes in video games they have the defensive alignment like on the screen I think with the shifting mm-hmm. we might need that just so we can sort of breathe a sigh of relief when yeah, the ball is hit sanity. like that yeah like we, well, we well, just conditions, know conditions yeah, yeah like how he's like standing from there years past. yeah so uh, let me recap these games real quick uh, it's going to be super quick, because we're going to, a few of these games are really only highlighted by a couple of things, so there's not that much to break down, Uh, but we'll run through that really quick, and then we'll get into uh, everything else that we have to do. On Friday it was a 1 to nothing win. This was a frustrating one uh mostly, but see this is a weird one and especially with the way that the series ended, I think we now especially can look back on Friday as a win actually, even though it was a loss in the scorebook and it was a win because it was an outstanding start for John really Lester. Really good. Yeah, really, really good. good for John Lester. 6 innings, 3 hits, no earned, 2 walks and 8 strikeouts. He got a ton of whiffs in this game. He was really good in this game, a lot of weak contact. This was a great outing for John. Uh, and, you know, I think just sort of uh, emblematic of, you know, why we continue to trust him and have faith in him. You know, we know that it's it's not always going to go his way and not going to be easy, but you, you know that he still has these outings in him. And if there's adjustments that he needs to make, he's going to make them to try and have successful outings like this. Uh, he was pounding that ball on the inside to righties in this game, which is something that David Ross talked about. And it paid off. this is a really good start for him so the Cubs lose this game one to nothing uh, on a Ryan Braun sack fly it was about as annoying of a a series could have started it was nothing nothing until the bottom of the ninth inning and a leadoff walk comes in to score Christian Yelich on a Ryan Braun sack fly if you can you write a fan fiction of a more annoying way to lose to the Brewers like I would like to hear it uh, because that is just about it but that was a story on Friday. Again, the key in that one was John Lester was good in this game. That's a quality start. Six shutout innings. It's a shame they couldn't get him the W, but especially with the way John sounded after the game uh, two starts ago, this was obviously a marked improvement. So we will take that. Saturday looked to be more of the same for eight innings, folks, and it was a dark you know they lose that first game in these first eight innings it was a weird place for a little while uh but stick with me here so uh Kyle Hendricks was good in this game uh he makes one mistake and and that put him behind but he goes seven and two-thirds six hits two earned no walks and seven strikeouts uh, again a very good start uh for Kyle Hendricks the Brewers got those runs on a Ryan Braun home run I, I mean just go away Dude, already! Please, just go away. Too many years. Yeah, too much of my life has been spent (laughs) hating and worrying about Ryan Braun. I hate it, Uh, but the Cubs get the last laugh ultimately here. So we go to the ninth inning where Josh Hader enters the game, and it it plays out in really spectacular fashion. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna read through how this entire inning plays out. Uh, So remember that the Cubs lose that first game on Friday and they're getting shut out two to nothing with three outs to go. Really two outs to go because Kyle Schwarber struck out on a foul bunt to begin this inning against Josh Hader. He was just trying to get on base, but it was really sort of representative of the offensive effort up until that point, right? You're trying to get base runners. He tries to bunt with two strikes and just fouls out just sort of lifelessly, right? But then Oh, but then Javi Baez singles on a line drive. Anthony Rizzo pinch hitting with no undershirt and the chains off the bench. Love it. Singles. Javi goes to third. He, Anthony Rizzo, is replaced by pinch runner Billy Hamilton. But Brendan, his speed was not necessary. Why? Because Jason Hayward launches his sixth home run of the season into the stands of Miller Park. The Cubs lead three to two. That is followed in the next at bat by Ildemaro Vargas. His first home run as a Chicago Cub, an absolute bomb into the glove of Craig Kimbrell warming up in the Cubs' bullpen for back-to-back home runs off of Josh Hader. That would be that, and the aforementioned Craig Kimbrell would come in for the save, Jeffress and Wick pitching the night before, and he would lock it down. He would give up two hits, but we'll talk about him later. The The, the velo was pretty good, still getting some whiffs. It, 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 it looked pretty good. Uh, back in a high leverage spot and that would be all that she wrote so we will again have more on Hayward Vargas that whole thing with Josh Hader but what a turn of events this was the Cubs were staring their second shutout in a row in the face and friend of the podcast Jordan Bastion of MLB and Cubs.com said that he had a tweet ready to go with a statistic that this was going to be, I think, the first time the Cubs had been shut out in back-to-back games while striking out more than 10 times in those games. First time in Cubs history that that would have happened, and then it didn't. Uh, and then they did not get shut out because Jason Hayward and Ildemar Vargas took Josh Hader deep. Just an incredible turn of events against a reliever who had been getting beat mostly on walks, not hits. And Hayward takes him deep, and so does Vargas. And the Cubs win 4-2 to two on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the offense showed up, and it was the Alec Mills show. I think Len said this at one point uh, during the broadcast that, you know, the the— Regular match on the card was the offense doing a, a really nice job, but the main event on Sunday was Alec Mills, who throws a no hitter, the 16th in Chicago Cubs history. He goes nine innings, no runs, no hits, three walks, and five. Strikeouts for his fifth win of the year. He now has a sub three ERA, or sub four, excuse me, ERA on the season. Just an amazing effort from him. The Brewers make three errors. They give up 12 runs uh, and they get no hit in their own ballpark. So this was not a banner day uh, for a team that would hang a banner for, you know, basically anything. Uh, so, real shame. You hate to see it. Uh, the Cubs getting their runs on Sunday, a Jason Hayward double started things off. Jason Kipnis reached on a fielding error. Victor Caratini with an RBI single. Ian Happ with an RBI single. This all coming in a five-run fourth inning. The Cubs would add four more in the top of the fifth a jason kipnis sack fly and a david bodie homer on the jason kipnis sack fly javi catches the defense napping i believe credited as a steal of home uh, or he stole home in a general sense i don't know how they score that but either way the brewers defense was just standing around and javi trotted home so uh, that was fun and even more fun craig council got ejected arguing the play so really just uh, what a day on sunday um <laughs> top of the seventh Victor Caratini with an RBI double that made it 10 to nothing he would add another RBI in the ninth inning on a ground out and then David Bodie with a sack fly to make it 12 to nothing and then in the bottom of the ninth inning It was Alec Mills finishing things off. He got Jacob Nottingham to pop out to Anthony Rizzo. He struck out Tyrone Taylor, and he got Jace Peterson, as we talked about, to ground to Javi Baez up the middle, who threw him out, and that was the no-hitter. So that is your series in Milwaukee, a wild turn of events. The Cubs three outs from losing the first two games of this series and getting shut out in back-to-back games. And 24 hours later, they have won the series, they put up a 12 spot on Sunday, and they have taken two out of three and thrown a no hitter. So that is the roller coaster that is major league baseball, and that is where we will go. So I I think the first place to start, obviously, Brendan, is Alec Mills. Like I said when I was was introing this, this is a guy who was a walk on for his college team. Uh, you know, not someone that has been a highly touted player and someone that is looked at to accomplish milestones like this. And, and, you know, sometimes that's how it is with no hitters and perfect games and stuff like that. But just an incredible day for him uh, and the quotes you know coming out from a lot of these players supporting these guys uh, were really really amazing want to say congrats to to Victor Caratini catching his first no hitter Uh, obviously you know we've talked a lot about the work that Victor has done behind the plate his pitch framing his game calling and you know obviously uh, with the number of guys that he's a a personal catcher for or back there you know every time they pitch uh, clearly a a big part of this, and Victor saying on Instagram after the game, wow, I am so honored to have been a part of Cubs history today with Alec Mills. I am incredibly proud of you, man, and I feel so honored that I could catch my first big league no-hitter with you on this special team. Uh, Reading all of these quotes was really amazing. I'll I'll, I'll read one from Mills, and then I'll, I'll get more of your thoughts, Brendan Mills, saying, I'm just proud to be that person that can tell you to never give up, never stop playing, never let people tell you what you can and can't do, and just keep persevering and be the best person you can be. A college walk-on, a guy that you know sits in the high 80s, sometimes low 90s, throwing spinning those 68 mile an hour curveballs. This is a. Uh a really, really cool story. And another one of those instances where we talk about just like how easy it is to root for some of these guys and be overjoyed with their success. This was one of those today. This is one of those really cool moments uh, to be a fan and to have followed along with someone like Mills. You know, we've, we've seen him in the minor leagues. We saw him a little bit last year. And to just sort of watch the progression of these guys. And we talk about it a lot. Like, Mills was given a huge opportunity this year uh, via the injuries to Chatwood and Quintana to step into this rotation to fill that role and and to to earn that spot and he has certainly done that. Uh, it was a nice sort of run of bounce back starts for him leading up to this after uh, you know a couple of starts where he really struggled and it it all comes together on on Sunday in Milwaukee. Mills looked amazing against
0: Milwaukee and he did that changing one pretty noticeable pitch, and it's that four-seam, Corey. So during the, basically every start before Milwaukee, he was throwing sinkers way less than his four, or rather four-seams way less than his sinker. He was throwing four-seams once every four pitches. And then in Milwaukee, and even in the start against Cincinnati previously on September 8th, he was throwing a four seam once every other pitch. So he went from a 25% usage rate with his four seam all the way up until or rather September 8th against Cincinnati to throwing a four seam once every other pitch, a 50% rate. That's that's noticeable. And we saw what happened against Milwaukee. With that four seam, if you were paying attention, all those jam shots on those high and in fastballs got Mills. At least I counted six or seven outs. He had I think three or four pop ups on those pitches. So that that's that's interesting because previously, what two weeks ago we were talking about Alzolai and talking about Colin Ray and a little discouraged with what we've seen from Alec Mills. Not that it's like doom and gloom with Mills. But we saw second and third time through the order with Mills was a little bit of suspect from what we saw. But what did he do? Him and Hattavi, maybe Breslau, who knows? They made a change. They made a pretty drastic change and a change that other pitchers in years past have also implemented. And that's to go up, up, up with those four seamers and change the script a little bit. And you could clearly see today, Milwaukee was so off guard with those really weak shot pop-ups on those high and inside fastballs. That's what Mills has done most of the year with the weak contact. He just did it differently today. And these stats are not updated yet, but going into this game even, he had a better hard-hit contact rate than 82% of other relievers and starters in the league. So he's up there among the best in generating weak contact. And now he's throwing... More fastballs and doing so up and in. This is a little bit of a different uh, strategy from what we've seen in August from Mills. That, that's giving me confidence, especially because I was a little down on what we saw from Alzolai and the last star and some of the new data that came out with Alzolai. I, I think we needed this. I think we needed this to have some more stability in projecting what we could see in the playoffs and seeing him and Lester perform well and Hendricks look good. It's given me a jolt of optimism, Corey. I'm not, and we'll see where we are in a few weeks. But that that was so impressive what Mills was able to do. And it's not that the fact that he just got like lucky, or it's not the fact that he just was doing the exact same thing he's been always doing the entire year. Corey, he changed something so dramatically and he got instant results from it. And that that is the benefit of someone like a Tommy Hattavi. And we've seen that so many times from Hattavi now in the last year and a half. And there's a lot of credit that goes to Hattavi and all the guys behind the scenes and to Alec Mills for actually executing and implementing a new strategy.
1: Yeah, and and to to your point about him not getting lucky on Sunday, so this is a good note from Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation pointing out that although he only struck out five guys and thus it was a lot of balls in play, only three of the balls put in play had a better than 50% expectancy of being a hit, so there was a lot of weak contact, a lot of balls hit seventy five miles and under, and even some of those balls that were hit a little harder were hit as you saw right at fielders and where fielders are are traditionally positioned uh, on the ground or in the air so it was really uh, just such a well executed game for mills and even like thinking about it in my head, there were really only a couple of balls that were struck in a way that you thought they might be hits. I think it was that one that Hap ran down in center field. Yeah. That was a really nice catch and route from Ian Hap. And then there was, I think, a Christian Jelic, uh sinking liner that he hit to Schwarber the opposite way uh, that just without knowing how deep Schwarber was positioned looked like it might have sunk in front of him. But other than that, like it really was a lot of contact that off the bat, you were not particularly worried about. Uh, so kudos to Mills. Kudos to the Cubs defense it was uh just one of those magical days uh of watching baseball and it was a lot of fun and I I feel like it's you know it's cool we saw Arietta do it a couple times seeing Mills do it no hitters are fun uh that's uh it's it's fun to see and uh you know reading another quote from Javi Baez he said i just wanted the ball hit to me so did everybody I else love that. I mean, <laughs> I love
0: that. uh yeah so <laughs> but i love i love Javi's confidence there though yeah. cuz he he was kind of missing that for the past few weeks and he looked sad and the interviews were sad and even john lester's interviews were sad so it's good to see javi kind of perking up a little Absolutely. bit it's perking me up too
1: yeah and he said, "I just wanted the ball hit to me. It's unbelievable. This is something that we're going to be part of for life. This I is something that. like yeah. a championship kind of thing. No one can take it away from you. So I'm really, really happy that I was a part of it. Hopefully, he'll do it again in the future. So this was uh, really awesome. There was a uh, there was a quote going around that uh, you know Mills said after the game on." F- uh, Saturday where Hendrix was was good, um that you know he was gonna be better than him. And Hendrix said, Okay, go do it. And well, <laughs> he did. Uh there you go, Kyle. You dared like him to that. do better and Alec delivered with a no hitter. Just incredible stuff. And I would be remiss if I I didn't take a, a bit of joy in it being against Christian Yelich and the Milwaukee Brewers. Christian Yelich was 0 for 10 with 6 mm. strikeouts in this series. Mm. Uh he was 0 for 3 in the game on Sunday against Mills. And I don't know, man, if you're going to tweet at our pitchers that they, you know, nobody needs help facing you like Christian did to You Darvish, you can bet that when uh, a member of the Cubs no hits your team, we're gonna bring it up. We're gonna remember. And uh, not only does he and the Brewers' offense need help hitting Darvish, looks like they need help hitting Alec Mills and the Everyone. rest of the Cubs' rotation too. <laughs> right. So uh, listen, if you're gonna step to if you're gonna st- step to the plate, you better you know you better be ready to swing. And Christian swinging a miss on that one. Uh, Good so to see it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, uh, I don't have, you know, that much more to offer on that. It it was just such a a fun day at the ballpark. um, And, you know, listening to Len's calls and Pat Hughes on the radio, just such a a fun day for that stuff. And and seeing around, uh, you know, you really, I, I think that obviously, they're going to talk about the fact that he threw an no hitter everybody being a part of it and stuff like that but I, I think you do get a good sense of the reputation that Mills has and how players feel about him and and being back there for him just in seeing how many guys are, are talking about this and reading the quotes and and just how happy they are uh for him And and I'll read one last one from David Ross who caught the Jake Arrieta second uh, no hitter against the Cincinnati Reds back in 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series. Won the World Series. Yes, yeah. and David said, "Just a proud parent moment." That's how you feel. You see the adversity somebody's been through to work hard, get an opportunity, and make the most of it is really rewarding. From my seat, that has to be pretty cool for David Ross. Uh, obviously, different than catching it, but now to be the manager and you know to know Alex. Mills, and uh, especially the work he, you know, has has done, and and watched Victor Caratini grow, and stuff like that, it just has to be uh, a very, very special moment for David Ross as well. Special moment, basically for everybody involved. Rizzo had grabbed the ball, of course, because he caught it, uh, much like he caught the ball to end the World Series. Just to shoehorn that in there one more time. Mm-hmm. And Contreras had Mills's glasses or the goggles, whatever they are, uh, and they both, you know, were kind of like handing them to him after they were, were giving all the hugs and the handshakes and stuff like that. So always just fun to sit through and 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 go like that. But it, uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's pretty much what I have on that. It was a, a really cool day. At the ballpark and watching Mills, too, like the way he was able to spin and locate some of those curveballs, too, in that last inning. Jim DeShahes was talking a lot about this as the broadcast was going on, uh, just how important it was you know that the Cubs were up by so much so that Mills as it was going along he didn't have to worry about like okay like you know I fell behind a guy 3-0 like I need to groove one over or I need to just you know make sure that I'm not walking guys things like that you know JD was talking a lot about how look your team's up 9-10-12 to nothing make your pitch right you've already walked some guys like you're not throwing a perfect game do whatever you have to do to avoid giving up a hit, right? Like, if you walk a guy, so what, you know? And the way that Mills was able to do that, especially in that ninth inning, I mean, he was spinning 68 mile an hour curveballs, like, right on the black to some of these hitters, and it was pretty amazing. And even further than that, you know, these umps have been basically awful for the entire season. I don't know if everybody else feels like they've been worse than ever, but I do. Uh, And... Some of the calls in that ninth inning, I mean, I was ready to break my television. There there were strikes, balls in the zone that all day were being called strikes because they're strikes, and the zone had been expanded for a good portion of the day for both sides. And now he's getting squeezed. In the ninth inning of a no-hitter. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching. So for Mills to be able to ignore that, stick to his plan, stick to his repertoire, throw the pitches that he wanted to, and to be able to locate them north of a hundred pitches. And, you know, as we've mentioned, like this is a guy who has had his struggles going that second and third time through the order, and he just wasn't he was not going to be denied on Sunday. It was a really impressive effort, uh, and and just you know really awesome. Just an awesome, awesome moment for Alec and this team. And you know again, like some some moments like this, uh, especially with the the way that Saturday finished and the way that Sunday finished. You know now they have that off day to just sort of bask in the way that these last two games ended. Like it's the kind of stuff that can really kickstart a team going on a good run, and it, it it's it's coming at a really good time for this team. But it's, you know, these are, these have to be, I'm not a professional baseball player. Uh, I'm never going to be, but I have to imagine that a day like Saturday and Sunday for these guys is, is really fun and, you know, can really kind of spur you, uh, onto a good little run here. So that's what we've got on Mills. We could probably talk about that for a while. Uh, but just, uh, an amazing effort from him congratulations to him. Congrats to Victor Caratini on catching it. Just a really, really good job. All around. So let's go back to Saturday night and talk about some of that. And the first place that I want to go, Brendan, is Jason Hayward. I mean, we have talked about the season that he has had from not only his perspective. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know we've talked a ton about the swing changes that he has made, the mechanic changes that he has made. We've documented all of this on CubsInsider.com. I mean, I can't tell you guys how many hours I have spent of my life looking at, editing, doing side by sides and all that stuff of Jace video of Jason Hayward's swing, because it's a lot, like more than I would probably care to admit., uh, but what you're seeing in in this season is all of that coming together and really kind of finally just clicking from day one to where he is now. And coming out of Sunday, he's hitting two ninety three with a nine forty seven. Uh, OPS. and just not only from his perspective, how important this is and and great this is to see the success, but you know, we're still looking at Chris Bryant struggling. Javi had uh, a nice a, a better weekend. I think he looks it looks like it's happening. He's going the other way. and if you've watched him throughout his career, when he starts to hit those line drives to the opposite field, the floodgates are usually about to open. Uh, you know, but he's still, he's got a 601 OPS. Rizzo had a bad uh, weekend and a bad Sunday. He's down to a 715 OPS. So for Hayward to be doing this is so huge. We've talked a lot about like, where would this offense be without Ian Happ and Jason Hayward having the seasons that they are? And specifically on Saturday night, it would have been probably a loss, uh, if not for that. Uh, and I want to read this stat, which I think is pretty fascinating. Uh, Cody Bellinger on April 21st of 2019 and Jason Hayward on Saturday night are the only left-handed batters to ever hit a two-strike home run off of Josh Hader. So that was pretty cool. And one more stat for you, uh, from Sarah Langs at Slangs on Sports, S Langs, however you want to read that. This is the third time in his career that Josh Hader has allowed multiple home runs in the same inning of a game. And the fourth time he's allowed multiple home runs in an outing overall. It is the first time he's allowed two home runs in the ninth inning of a game. So, uh, a lot of lot of milestones accomplishments record book notes uh from these last 10 innings of cubs baseball a no hitter and some some pretty specific accomplishments uh, against one of the games better relievers there for Jason Hayward and Ildemar Vargas but Hayward specifically, man, I, I mean, he, he's, he's clutch and just uh, the season that he's having is, you know, really amazing. And it, it couldn't be happening to a better guy, another guy who you're just like thrilled to see succeeding. And it's huge for this team. I mean, that was a massive, massive hit on Saturday night.
0: The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching prop. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The numbers Hayward is putting up so similar to what you see from Ben Zobris in years past, where Hayward's walking at a 16% clip. He's only striking out in 18% of plate appearances. He's batting now 293, Corey. He has a weighted on base average of 400. He's got six bombs. He has a WRC plus of 150, and he's doing it because he's pulling pitches. In the last three years, he's basically pulled pitches around a 40 to 42% rate. This year is at a 52% rate. And he's hitting cutters, he's hitting two-seamers, he's hitting four-seamers. And we know in years past, and especially that 2016 season, he was getting eaten alive on those inside pitches, and now he's turning around on them. Evan and I, Evan Altman and I of CupsIn Center.com were talking about this. And Evan pointed out that Haywards made this slight change to his pre-pitch movement and as to his hands. He is like playing the flute with his hands on the bat. If you were seeing me right now, I'd be like playing the flute, you know, kind just of just use your imagination. Gesturing. Yeah, yeah, use your imagination. And if you were watching baseball 15, 20 years ago. There was one guy who stood out to me who did that. That was Quentin McCracken, an outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, a left-handed hitter, who was very good, made contact, hit for power. And I always thought that was weird. Like, why, why is he doing that? And as Evan pointed out, over the last three years, Hayward has had issues wrapping his wrist. And so uh, pitchers have been attacking Hayward in on his hands because he simply can't get the barrel there in time because of this wrist issue. So this like flute playing thing, and we talked about his swing so many times and I get it, but this this one's working. This flute playing thing is allowing him to stay in a position that's able to now get to these inside pitches. And for example, this year against the cutter. In every year in years past, Hayward has not been able to hit cutters. Now for the first time, Since 2011, his second year in the league, he has a positive run value against cutters. That is huge for this team because it signals that this is a sustainable uh, approach, maybe. Maybe he's not going to be a 400-weighted on-base average going forward, but maybe he's going to be that above-average hitter we always thought we were getting when he was signed in 2016 with good defense and with good base running. So Hayward is, is... blowing me away, dude, honestly, with what he's doing right now. And I know Javi was finally moved down out of that cleanup spot down to the fifth spot. He's looking better too, by the way. But that being said, I, I wouldn't mind giving Hayward, in some instances, cleanup spots. And it's crazy to even mention that given the up and down over the years. But I signaled to Ben Zobris only because that's how Joe Madden used Zobris in 2016. Even with Chris Bryant, even with Anthony Rizzo, two power hitters, they still use Zobris, those high contact guys in situations with men on base in the fourth hole. So I, I would not be opposed. I doubt we see it, but I would not be opposed to giving Hayward even more of bats in a cleanup spot or in a position that's higher up in the middle of the order. That That's just amazing to see. So good for Jason Hayward. I think the other guys in the lineup are showing signs of turning it around. I think uh, Javi, his last two games, he had two base hits on Saturday. He had another two uh, hard hit. Uh, Day on Sunday, he's just looking better going up. As you said earlier in the podcast, Corey, that kind of signals, hey, he might be turning things around. So we'll have to see with that. But overall, man, again, the last 24 hours with hey we're turning around Vargas maybe surprising us we were talking about Vargas last podcast and, and wondering why he was on the team maybe that's your reason we saw it uh, live against Hater. so it, things can change rapidly in this weird shortened COVID season the offense can change rapidly and it kind of gives me some some optimism going forward here in the last 12 games
1: yeah I, I definitely want to make sure we give Vargas credit there you know I think that was a move just because it 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 sort of came out of nowhere, right? Like they had traded for Martinez and, you know, we didn't even know this guy was on their roster, uh, not roster radar. And, you know, so then he comes in and he's hitting against Trevor Bauer. It was just sort of hard to make sense of, but you you have to tip your cap. I mean, not many guys take Josh Hader deep and he hit the piss out of that ball. Uh, and he did a nice little stare too, which obviously we appreciate against, uh, Josh Hader, but I mean, that was a missile, man.
0: Yeah, and he's looking good, too. Like, kind of like the high socks thing. I, I, had, I had no idea what to expect from Vargas. Like, the amount of video uh, before the Cubs uh, traded for him, I, I I literally had no idea what to expect. So I was a little perturbed wondering why we sent down Jose Martinez for, for Vargas. And may, may, maybe this is it. Apparently, Vargas has been on the Cubs' radar. I, I want to give credit to whoever said this. It was one of the beat writers. But apparently, he's been on their radar for a longer time than the last few weeks so they knew they had something there and maybe Corey this is what it is maybe they're unlocking something that none of us saw
1: yeah I'm all for that but just what a a drastic change that that was and uh a good reminder to you know always stick games out I mean I I I've told you before, Brendan, I mean, even if the Cubs are down 15 to nothing, I never turn the game off. Uh, not necessarily because I think they're going to come back, but just because I like to suffer. You're uh, sick. That's yeah, I am sick in the head. But, you know, yeah. I mean, especially like, you know, Friday stunk, right? Lester goes out there and gives you that great outing uh, and a bounce back start, and they can't do anything for him. And I mean, they just looked really feeble uh, in that entire game. They struck out 13 times, or excuse me, 16 times 12 against Milwaukee starter Brandon Woodruff Uh, so it was just a rough rough Friday night and then Saturday looked more of the same until that ninth inning. But, uh, you know, one thing we know about this group is that they are capable of coming back in those games, and even when they don't look good, and even when their approach doesn't look good at the plate, like, they never give up on a game. We've seen that from this group time and time again, that, uh, you know, you should not count them out uh, or expect them to just roll over and die, and it was a really impressive job on Saturday, and and i you know i think from like a momentum and just an overall emotional perspective uh, just a, a huge game on Sunday to come out and carry that vibe forward right like not even just the the no hitter right obviously it doesn't matter how much you win by if you throw a no hitter that's incredible and a, and a huge moment but for them to just pound the Brewers the Brewers were throwing the ball all over the field they commit three errors falling asleep while Javi's running home right and to just pound them and can keep doing it throughout the game, even putting up runs in that ninth inning. And we talked about going into this series, having a chance to, you know, finally take advantage of one of those opportunities to A, build some distance for themselves in the division in first place, but also just to like start putting those nails in the Brewers' coffin, right? Like, you couldn't eliminate them or anything like that this weekend. But just go in there and win this series and just, like, stick them further in the cellar and don't let them sneak back in there. Don't let them win this series. Don't let, you know, obviously let them sweep you in their ballpark. Like, just just put them down. Put your foot on their throat and try to get rid of them. And they did that, and and that's just so impressive from this group. Uh, and for as as not fun as as those first uh, what would it be seventeen innings right were for them to play that way in those final ten innings of this series and just completely flip the narrative of the entire weekend and you know coming into this off day you got two off days this week uh, one on Monday one on Thursday after these couple games with Cleveland like you have the opportunity to have a really really nice stretch here uh, so all all the props in the world to this team for sticking with that game on Saturday. Javi, Tony starting that rally. uh, Jason and Ildomaro obviously, you know, Paying it off, Craig locking it down on Saturday night, and then just you know showing up in every facet of the game on on Sunday just for a complete rout, just an embarrassing game for the Milwaukee Brewers. That is exactly what the doctor ordered. And one one last note before we touch on uh, the bullpen a little bit because I think there is a good bit to talk about there. Uh, This has been a nice stretch for this starting rotation Uh, and. I think that that's not something that we should ignore, right? Like, we know what Hugh Darvish is going to bring, and we know what Kyle Hendricks is going to bring. Nice to see him have a good outing on the road. Obviously, his home road splits are, you know, kind of one of those weird things. Javi Baez also has those weird home road splits, uh, except the reverse. He's been really good in general on— the road and very not good, uh, at Wrigley Field. So you can try to make sense of both of those things however you want. Uh, but with Quintana and Chatwood having been out, uh, you know, with kind of shuttling Al's up, we've seen Colin Ray start some of these doubleheader games and, you know, John Lester struggling for a few starts there. It, 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 was a precarious spot it felt like a and sort of unnerving spot for this starting rotation uh and just obviously with mills on sunday but just excellent excellent starts from this group this entire weekend you get three quality starts out of Lester, Hendricks, and Mills. Uh, everybody's giving you length. They're striking guys out. They're not giving up too many walks. It's just a really, really good run. Uh, you know, and you combine that with some of the starts from earlier in this week. It's, it, it's nice to see this rotation uh, kind of bouncing back from, uh, you know, a pretty unnerving stretch there. And as we go into the final couple weeks here of the season, I think this was a very, very welcome sight to see the job that this rotation did this weekend.
0: Lester looked incredible dude on on friday that that was that game even though they lost and i texted you this and i was being dead serious about it that that felt like a win for me you you needed to get Lester back in a good healthy mindset david ross said after that previous outing with Lester, he was getting text messages from their group asking hey is, is john is john okay here this is not what john typically sounds like so to have Lester come out and strike out eight guys, doing so on some pretty nasty changeups, by the way, which even the pitching ninja highlighted. We've been talking about Lester's changeup for like, what, three years now? And the comfort level he's trying to get with it looked good on Friday. And six shutout innings, coming back from multiple bad outings, commanding that cutter, commanding his secondary pitches, still throwing five pitches, throwing 88, 89, 90, 91 at times, he's gonna be okay, I think, Corey. And I I get the whole age thing with Lester, and it, it does in the back of my mind kind of remind me, like, hey, this is this kind of what Lester is gonna be? I I don't think that. I I have a hard time accepting that a pitcher with Lester's intellect, the experience, the diversity of his pitches I have a hard time letting me believe that even with his age that he can't find a way to be successful right now and what he's been doing behind the scenes we've heard with David Ross maybe he's trying to get Lester to go more inside on right-handed batters it's it's encouraging, and these are the changes that you want to hear about and you want to see translate into success. These are really rapid changes that are needed in this type of environment with COVID, and they're doing it. Lester did it. Mills just did it. Darvish is in a completely different universe with all of his changes this year, adding that supreme pitch, changing around his fastball, throwing God knows what every other game. This is what you want to see from your pitching infrastructure with Tommy Hadevi, and we're seeing the results of it right now. We're seeing Alec Mills throw no-hitters in the stretch of a pennant race in Milwaukee against a team fighting for a playoff spot. This is, this is what you want to see, and from the rotation, not even talking about Hendricks, it could not have gone any better, quite literally, Corey, this weekend.
1: Yeah. And uh, I do want to note that John Lester struck out Christian Yelich three times on Friday <laughs> night, does. all swinging.
0: Oh, my God. So I love
1: that him. was a lot of fun. And there was, he struck out uh, Keston Hira on an 83-mile-an-hour changeup uh, that, yeah, you know, that, you know, I think is the one that you were talking about on The Pitching yeah. Ninja. Uh, and he let out like a yell afterward. It was a big oh, spot in the my game. Oh, gosh. Ooh! I needed a minute after that. <laughs> uh, let me tell you guys, that was that was great. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm am a little like you know like flustered talking about it now.
0: No, I mean even when I heard of Corey, I'm like, oh my god,
1: John John is back yeah. here. That that was jolting. Yes. That is exactly what I needed. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean just a, a really good weekend from this starting rotation, and you know I think that in general, like this this team is you know coming out of this weekend uh, in a in a similar spot that we've talked about. I mean there there's still guys you want to see going on this offense you know Chris Bryant still does not look right uh, sat out the game on Sunday you know Rizzo's numbers uh, though, although I th- you know I think Tony generally looks pretty normal and and fine and the on base numbers have been pretty good uh, for the majority of the year uh, you know still just like it's it's a little jarring to see a 715 OPS next to Anthony Rizzo's name um, you know Schwarbers down to 752 Baez has obviously had his struggles that we've talked about so you know, it's 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 still over these next couple of weeks. Like if you know, we we've seen what this pitching staff can do. You know, the bullpen is in such a better place that we're gonna talk about in a second here. The the starters are stepping up. And, you know, if you can just get some of these guys to get going and, and look more like themselves at the plate, like, you know, as we said, as we say every time, and unfortunately, we've been saying for years, uh, the sky is the limit with this group. The talent is there, right? Like, and we can debate their approach and the profiles of some of these players and stuff like that. And, you know, how, how often they strike out, like, yeah, I get it, but here's where we are and here's what we've got. And the talent is there. It's just about some of these guys heating up and, you know, kind of having a it all going in the right direction at the right time, and that right time is a couple of weeks from now. So that's that's really what to keep an eye on uh, with the offense. But moving to the bullpen, um, you know, I think a lot of what we've talked about is still. Kind of in 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 the same place, uh, you know. Jeremy Jeffress continues to be really good. Uh, Jason Adam is another guy who's who's looked really good that we've talked about a lot. Uh, you know, he's got a sub three ERA now. He brings the velo. He's got a really nice changeup. He's he's definitely a guy I think that's in that circle of trust uh, and. Kimbrell, like, you know, he gets back out there in a high leverage spot. He actually pitched the seventh inning of the game on Friday uh, and then gets back out there on Saturday night uh, with Jeffress having, you know, kind of done a lot. And then Wick uh, pitched an inning on Friday and then also, you know, pitched uh, multiple innings or, you know, longer than an inning earlier in the week. So they decide to go to Kimbrell in that spot on Saturday night. And, you know, gave up a couple hits, but again, like I think the thing with Craig is that he's just in clearly such a different position than those first couple outings. Now, everybody being available and all things being equal, uh, I'm still not bringing him into a 4-2 to game, especially after you just came back off of Josh Hader. Uh, I think that Ross was just sort of thinking that that was his best option there. Um, with the way that, that Wick and Jeffress had been used. uh, n- Still, you know, I think, like, let's not get crazy with that. Uh, but it was obviously good to see him succeed back in such a high leverage spot. uh, And not only just the score, but like I just said, you know, the team just had a huge comeback after a, a miserable effort for a day and eight innings, and that's a game that at that point you cannot lose, right? And so for Craig to go out there and not only protect a two-run lead, but also protect a huge momentum Game and moment and and you know turn of events that had just happened is is big. It's got to be big for Craig's confidence. Uh, again, like I, I'm still being careful with the high leverage spots he's in and the role that he's playing. But clearly, in a different spot than we found him in the beginning of the year. And like I said in the last episode, uh, uh, just another testament to Ross and Hotovy and and everybody with this pitching staff and and coaching staff for the work that they've done to make the adjustments to, you know, sort of proceed calmly a little bit with this and say, like, look, like, we're gonna figure this out. We've got to deal with the mechanics. We're, we're seemingly aware of what's wrong we're going to get there, but it might take us a minute. And, you know, they've they've really made a lot of very visible progress. And again, like just the bullpen as a whole, like the bullpen has been quite good for a pretty significant period here. And it's, it's funny because I don't know if you see this as well, Brendan, but I, I still see, you know, a lot of that same sort of discourse about the bullpen going on on social media and stuff like that where you know when a starter comes out or only goes six innings or whatever you know a lot of the talk on social media or in at cubs mentions things like that is about how oh no here comes the bullpen this that you know and I I don't really think that that's quite where we are anymore like we don't have to look at this bullpen and think that they are the best bullpen in the world and and, you know they're going to shut down every lead, and this is you know of some sort of vintage bullpen. Um, But I'm looking at another tweet from Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation, uh, and he pointed out that over the last two weeks, this was going into the game on Friday night. So it doesn't, or excuse me, this was going into the game on Saturday night. So it includes Friday, but not Saturday. Uh, And the Cubs had a bullpen ERA of 1.84 over the prior two weeks, uh, which was the second best mark in baseball. So we don't have to pretend that this is the best bullpen in the league or that they're a sure fire thing every time but they they've been good for a a good bit of time here. And I think a lot of the guys that we've talked about, you know, sort of improving their role, getting more shots and working through things, they they built themselves a a nice little bullpen here. And I think, as I said, on the last episode, like, I I think we're past the point of, of thinking that this bullpen is going to hold them back from anything in the playoffs or is, you know, assuredly the reason that anything that the, you know, the wheels will fall off the bus or something like that like it's not perfect but they've found themselves at, certainly a usable and for the most part a, a pretty trustworthy bullpen here. the bullpen has looked a lot better in the last few weeks thanks
0: to guys stepping up in addition to just kimbrill recently we have ryan Tappara, who's continuing to look good and continues to be the number four overall whiffable pitcher in the league and then behind them, you have Dwayne Underwood, who's whiffing guys as well. Right now, he's number 23. And sandwiched in between Underwood and Tapera, you have Craig Kimbrell, who's whiffing guys at a 36% clip. Right now, that's around 20, give or take how the, the leaderboard is updated tomorrow. So you have quite literally three guys who are in the top 25 overall in Major League Baseball for whiff rate in the bullpen. What do you want from a bullpen? You want to limit as much nonsense as possible. That includes bloop base hits. It includes weekly hit ground balls. And what better way to do that than to have three guys in the bullpen who are among the best at missing bats? And then you have Jeremy Jeffress, who's throwing way more splitters this year. People talk about his strikeout rate being low. I understand that, but he has a whiff rate that's slightly better than league average, and his his K per nine is well below league average. Those are two conflicting numbers. And the one number that's the most predictive of strikeout rates, Corey, is a whiff rate. And so if he continues to get this many whiffs, the strikeout rates are going to go up, and you're going to see that K per nine accordingly go up. I'm feeling good about the bullpen. And I I I would never imagine this three to four weeks ago that my confidence with this team would shift from the bullpen now to the lineup. But that that's that's where I am. I have a lot of confidence in Tapera and Jeffress and Wick has continued to hammer the zone and Kirk Kimbrell's getting back to normal. Now we have Jason Adam in the mix. Then you have Dwayne Underwood Jr. and Kyle Ryan's throwing faster again. And you have Osich and you have Chaffin, or Chaffin. The, the bullpen's shaping up. I just named, what, eight or nine guys right there that I'm feeling comfortable about. And we just heard from David Ross that they're considering and thinking about bringing up brilliant Marquez. And I know, be, they're
1: teasing us they're with teasing that.
0: They're teasing us, right? And if he goes in that bunch, you have almost 10 guys that you can go to right now. And they're all, they're, for the most part, looking like they're coming into their form. So the bullpen is getting there. I'm not saying that I'm like, fully committed. I have no concerns whatsoever because that would be foolish in this small sample size. But you want to see guys make changes. You want to see guys come up from South Bend and perform. And we've seen that with Underwood. We've seen that with Jason Adam. We've seen that with Ryan DePera early in the year. This this is exactly what you want. And you can try to assign credit to whomever. But at the end of the day, the pitching coach is Tommy Hotovy. And the work that he's done, it's hard to understand exactly and specifically what he's doing. But so far, he's really been at the top of the realm getting these guys into a position of success. And we're naming almost half a dozen guys who are not even in the fold last year who are now significant contributors to this playoff team. I'm feeling good. There's a lot of other issues this team needs to work out. They are 28-20, and 20. they have 12 games left, they have time to do it, but I'm, I'm feeling way better than I did last podcast episode, and I, I really did not think I would get to this point based on what was happening Saturday before Hater blew that game, but here we are. Okay, so let me preview this upcoming two-game set against the Cleveland Indians. The Cubs do have an off day on Monday, they will be back at Wrigley Field on Tuesday for the Indian series. We have Yu Darvish on the mound this year, who's 7-2 with a 1.77 ERA among the Cy Young candidates right now. He'll be facing Carlos Carrasco for the Indians, a multiple pitch guy. He's had some health injuries. He had cancer he's coming back from. Carrasco has been, throughout his career, a little bit injury prone. But when he's on the mound, he has some of the best stuff in the league. That should be a tough matchup. That game again starts at 7.15 p.m. Central time. And then on Wednesday, just to finish off this brief two-game set, your boy John Lester back on the mound, 2-2 two two with a 5.05 ERA. He'll be facing Aaron Savali, who is 3-5 with a 3.88 ERA. Right now, the standings as of Sunday evening. We have the Cubs, 28-24 games up on the 20-20 and 20 Cardinals. They are six games up of the under five hundred. 20 and 24 Milwaukee Brewers and then they are six and a half up on the 21 and 26 Reds the Pirates I love seeing this 14 to 30 12 games back of the Cubs in the division right now the Cubs would have the number three seed in the playoffs if the season were to end today they'd be facing the St. Louis Cardinals in that wacky three-game playoff series The Padres, just to give a complete picture because we're we're kind of rounding the corner here, the Padres are only two and a half games back of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the one seed. Right now, the Braves are the two seed with a 28-19 record. So only half a game up on the Cubs just based on that one loss that they don't have. San Diego, again, two and a half back of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are 31-17. They are winning games left and right, they had a few games canceled due to COVID, but they played a doubleheader on Sunday. So that's good to see. It's going to be a crazy two weeks, man. Um, you know, in terms of things of what I'm looking for just in this two game set, of course, you have Lester on that second game, but uh, hopefully, KB with that, that injury, that elbow beam that he had, he sat one day out. Hopefully, it's not affecting him. But my focus right now, just if we're talking about that lineup, is strictly at Javi Baez. It's not at Rizzo. Rizzo, I think overall, the process looks good. All of his peripherals look normal. The expected weighted on base average is 360. A little bit lower than years past, but nevertheless, this is a small sample and well well within the range of just randomness. I think he's looked good. Uh, So Javi, I I want to see him continue to go to the opposite field more because, as we've said, as we've seen in years past, when he does that, look out. And he's been doing that the last few games after sitting out on Friday, and that's good to see. So that's where we are. I'm feeling good, Corey. Uh, maybe it's just a high at the no-hitter, but I'm feeling uh, maybe a little bit irrationally optimistic right now. I'm looking at these standings. We're four games up. There's 12 games left. I'm feeling good.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Uh, Brendan, I do I do have a quick question for you. Yes. Has John Lester ever pitched against a Cleveland Indians? No, before? I was
0: trying to find the the, the game logs, and I, I I did find one, but it it was a weird. Core, I think there was a mistake. It, it said he pitched against them in November. Can that be right?
1: Uh, I know he pitched a couple times in October, yeah. but yeah, no, that does sound right. November. Listen, uh, if you guys are. Uh, <laughs> New or sick of our World Series bit, get used to it because we're gonna going to do this podcast lot. for another 50 years yeah, and we're going to do it die. every single time. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, uh, 2016 World Series jokes aside, that was won by the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, they did win um, the yeah. I mean, look, like I think this is a good spot for this team, you know, especially with having had those five game series and, you know, the double headers with the Cardinals and stuff like that to end up in a place where you're four up on the Cardinals. Uh, and actually, you know, you've played eight more games than the Cardinals and the loss column is the same. That's big too. Uh, so the Car- that's a lot of wins that the Cardinals would have to make up. Uh, but you're four up on them, you, you know, you're, you have, you know, a 99% plus or whatever you shot at making the playoffs with all this, you know, you know, the Brewers and Cardinals have a lot of games against one another. Uh, and to have two off days this week, this is a nice place to be. You know, the Cubs are, are going to have some work to do this week, but they're also going to be able to get a little rest. And especially on Monday, they're going to be able to sort of just uh, revel in the the weekend that was, or these last ten innings that were. So that's a good place to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I think it's I think it's pretty simple. You know, you you obviously need to do what you have to to ensure that you get in the playoffs and hopefully win the division and and you know maybe get one of those top 2 seeds uh but overall it's it's you know now it's it's weird to say because you know we've only played 40 something games But you're in that point of the season where you start to kind of look at the calendar. You start to look at where your rotation is and stuff like that. How do we have to start lining things up? You know, you're looking at someone like you and Kyle Hendricks, and how do we get them positioned for the games that you're going to have them pitching in in October? And again, just I think the biggest key, and I think this is obvious, uh, is getting that offense in the best spot you can by the time those playoffs run around like it obviously has not been the season that Chris Bryant wants or Javi Baez wants or even someone like Anthony Rizzo wants and you know again all to varying degrees but just to where they expect to be as players and you know throughout their career uh but it's it's all going to come down to where they are once those playoffs start you know no one is going to care Uh, And even Theo has said this, like, you know, that going forward, like, you're going to have to be pretty careful about how you judge guys on a 60-game season and coming out of the quarantine and all that other stuff. And it's not to write it off. Of course not. You know, uh, plenty of guys have shown up and had really good seasons. And, you know, it's not like this doesn't count or anything like that. Uh, But it's also just to say, like, Nobody, and I said this last time, like so a bit of a broken record, but nobody's going to care the season that Chris Bryant or Javi Baez put up uh, for 60 games. If the Cubs are able to win the division, if they're able to ride some of these other guys to a playoff spot, all anybody's going to care about is what happens when this team gets to October and that's you know really just the the fact of the matter, right? Like very few people give the twenty eighteen Cubs credit for winning ninety five games, right? What do they remember? What happened in two games uh to finish that season. So, you know, that's just how it is. That's how sports are and you know, I think that's just ultimately how things are going to be. So we're at that point now. You know, you're under fifteen games left in the season, a couple weeks to get things ready and that's what it's all about. So that's what I'm looking for. I, I mean I I think obviously you want everybody to be performing well and all that other stuff but I think we're at that point now where you know again like you can't go and have some sort of disaster over these next couple weeks but just keep your head down win some games play well play clean and ultimately like let's just start to see how this team looks thinking about it from a playoff perspective getting these guys hot at the plate keeping things going in the rotation in the bullpen and you know then we'll see what uh, the chaos of October brings but good place to be uh it was a weird uh, another weird weekend it looked like it might have gone one way and you know here we are kind of having uh probably one of the 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 best vibes on a podcast we've had in in quite some time uh, because that was just a really fun way to cap off this weekend and enjoy it, Cubs fans. Uh, as I've said a couple times, like we're rounding the stretch here. I know it doesn't feel like it. And, you know, maybe it's going to be a little weird to kind of snap into playoff in October mode so quickly after the season just began. But that's where we are. So enjoy the off day. We'll get ready for Cleveland. And, you know, we can just sit there and watch... there's a lot of things you can sit and watch from this weekend. If you're bored on Monday, I have a few that I would suggest that we uh, mentioned. You could watch Christian Yellett strike out swinging three times uh, against John Lester. You could watch him strike out six times against the Cubs collectively. Uh, If you're looking for one of his hits over the weekend, you're not going to have anything to watch because he didn't get any. Uh, You could watch... Jason Hayward's home run off of Josh Hader, the game-winning home run. You could watch Ildemar Vargas take him deep in back-to-back fashion, the ball landing in Craig Kimbrell's glove as he's warming up in the bullpen. (laughs) Or you can just watch uh, as many highlights as you can of Alec freaking Mills throwing a no-hitter, the 16th in Chicago Cubs history on Sunday at Miller park and that is where we will leave you enjoy your off day we will get ready for cleveland we will talk to you after the cubs and indians wrap up a quick two game set and as always we thank you guys for listening to and your participation and support of the cubs related podcast we will talk to you in a few days and as always go cubs From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional
0: monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.